0: Today we're gonna to be talking about fathers, and to give you a little context, um, how I experienced fatherhood in life growing up. I, I lived in a leave it to beaver neighborhood growing up. We would, we would play long into the evenings on summer nights, and once it got late, you would have this, this like cry from home, right? Daniel! Jonathan! Rebecca! Right? And, and then we'd come home, and what home meant was good eating, it meant music, it meant oftentimes being read aloud to. Um, and that was the context. We'd come home, because home was a place prepared for us. Right? Before we were even born, it was a place that was being prepared by my parents for us. And so we got to live there in safety, uh, with a mother and father. And, and I share that, Knowing that that is kind of a strange context, it's maybe an abnormal context uh, in the world we live in today. Um, I sat down with a pastor, a pastor mentor this week, who told me that he does not preach special holiday sermons. And that was really surprising to me, because when we are here at the Refuge Church, we preach preach Mother's Day, we preach oftentimes on Fourth of July, Memorial Day, we preach on these big uh, holidays, um, a theme that orients around that. And the reason why the pastor said he did not preach these themes is because they are so filled with pain for a lot of people or just misunderstanding. He goes, I don't preach 4th of July because he goes, patriotism can be so um, blinding to people. He goes, I don't preach Mother's Day because I know there's a lot of people in my church who maybe want to be mothers and can't be mothers. And he goes, I don't preach Father's Day because I know there's people in my church who have had such bad experiences with fathers. And so, those are reasons why not to preach on Father's Day. And I'm going to explain to you really quickly why we do preach on Father's Day with all those things that are um, stacked against it. There's three things. The first is this. We preach on fathers because we want to celebrate what is good. Right? We want to just absolutely be behind what is good and what's holy and what God ordained. And God did ordain fatherhood. <laughs> and fatherhood can be an incredible blessing on our families, on our nation, on the world. And we just want to celebrate that. And so that's going to be part of today. Second thing is we want to bring clarity to important issues. Right? Clarity to important issues. And the reason for this is because God says a lot of things. And when we hear what God is saying, it speaks uh, a clear word into confusion that we see in our culture and our world. Does that make sense? And so, basically, we have a world that kind of lives, if you want to picture this in like the cartoon scene, you have people with light bulbs, you have people with question marks. Right? And we have a world that's full of question marks. What should this look like? And we want to preach clarity. This is what it should look like. So we want to celebrate what's good. We want to bring clarity to the situation. And the last is we want to learn to live these answers in a community. And that can be one of the biggest challenges. And so while we face the challenges, what does it look like after we've received clarity to to work that out together? That if you see a, a dad who's Struggling, exhausted, maybe having a hard time. Then we can people that that gather around that father and support him. That fatherhood doesn't need to be an isolated thing, but we can do that together. And that's a challenge that we face, and that's uh, I think a, a challenge that we can overcome uh, if we really know one another. So that's why we're facing this. Um, as I as I thought about that, I. I thought, where else should we talk about these things? If we can't talk about hard things in the church, where should they be talked about? And I thought about this in relation to last week. If you guys were here for the sermon last week, it was some hard-hitting truth. Right? My, my parents had just celebrated their 34th wedding anniversary, which was super exciting. And then he preached on what it looks like to live in a faithful marriage. How purity in a marriage leads to uh, a lot of celebration in that marriage, right? How if we don't do the things that the Bible outlines for us to do, that that will lead to challenges that you don't need to, that you don't, you shouldn't have to face, right? If we walk in righteousness as God has ordained it to be, then we can live in the life and light of that. But as I, as we finished the sermon last week, honestly, I had like a heavy heart <laughs> I was like. This could be a sermon that people don't come back to church because of. Not because it wasn't true, but because it was true. You guys ever, you guys ever relate with that? You're like, like this is so hard truth that, that maybe we want to avoid that truth. <laughs> and so with fatherhood, also, it's one of these things. If we're not going to talk about it, where do we talk about it? We've got to talk about these things here. And there should be a safety, there should be a clarity that we can gather around and go, let's go in this direction together. Right? And if someone's struggling, if there is if hardship, let's bring that brother along and go, come on, let's go together. Okay? If, if there are couples that are struggling in their marriage, that we can go, oh, we're not going to ignore those issues because they're hard, because maybe there's, it feels dirty. No, let's, let's bring them along and go, come on, let's go to Jesus. So this is where we should talk about those issues, even though they're hard. And we should talk about it with such clarity that we have to like do some wrestling, going, man, this this kind of cuts against the grain of of the way I'm living. But I wanna I wanna live in the light and I wanna live righteously. Amen. So, how do we deal with this? The way this starts is for the Christian. It says two times in the New Testament that. That the spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. (laughs) That the spirit within the Christian yells from within us to God, Dad. And what's amazing about this, even in the context of the book of Romans, it says that you don't understand what you're saying. But that, that... when you are adopted as a son or daughter of God, that helplessly from within you, the Spirit of God Himself is, is forcing this cry to come up and go, Father, to God. Even though we don't know what we're saying, even though we, maybe we don't even know what we're asking for, we, we cry out. Maybe if we don't even have a good example of what a good father is, the Spirit within us is, is articulating... The word dad to God. So instead of, so how do we, how do we face this? Instead of looking at the data, because there's a lot of it, I want to I look at this as first as a heart thing. And, and there was this beautiful quote in the Washington Times this week that said this, it says, The research is clear that children definitely do need a father, and preferably a biological one, not just any man. They need involved, hands-on fathering that cements the connection to the man responsible for their birth. There is nothing new about this need, of course, but recent research has shown some fascinating wrinkles in the old theme. Fathers, the new research reveals, bring certain factors to parenting that are irreplaceable. Mentors and father figures are needed, but they are not all sufficient to meet a father's need to experience the touch of a dad's hand his unconditional love and his voice reassuring him or her, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you and I am so proud of you. And I love you and I am so proud of you. Right? And what I love about this, it kind of pushes the data to the side. It goes, we're not, we're not just going to push data at you. We can do that all day. What we're just going to say is, is that there is something deep in us and, and this is this is a secular paper washington times just saying deep within us that needs to hear the reassuring words you are my son you are my daughter and i love you and i am so proud of you i want you guys to hear the words how this is shared between the father and the son throughout the scripture and i'm just going to read a bunch of verses here and and the goal of this is that you are overwhelmed. So if you are, it's a good thing. In Matthew 3:16 through17, it says, "As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water, and a voice from heaven said, "This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased." In John 3:34, Jesus says, "The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands." And John 5, 19-20 says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. And John 14, 31 says, The world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. John 15 said, As the Father has loved me, so I Love you. Now remain in my love. John 17.20 says, Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And what's cool about this is, what's what's so (laughs) neat, is that in mark 14:36 you have jesus in the garden of gethsemane and the words he cries given what we just read all those verses the, the words he cries is this abba father abba father and then romans and galatians both confirm that when the spirit is in you that is what your heart cries abba father so this is what we were made for is to hear the voice of God fathering us, saying, you are my daughter, you are my son, I love you and I am so proud of you. Get this, what we were made for, what we were made for is to hear the voice of God say, you are my daughter or you are my son, I love you and I am so proud of you. Perhaps you don't believe me, so we're going to do some scriptural backup if you have a Bible turn with me to Luke 15. Luke 15 is a well-known verse, well-known uh, verses. It's called the Story of the Prodigal Son." And there's three things that I want you guys to get from this. I want you to get that God the Father, has prepared a place for you. He's prepared a home for you, that the Father rejoices over you, and that the Father is inviting you in to his home. So with those things, let's read this. Luke 15, starting in verse 11, it says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the, two of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He had spent everything there was... Uh, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he had come to his senses, he said, "'How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, "'Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men.' So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property on prostitutes, has come home, you kill a fattened calf for him. And the father's response was, My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. So the first thing I want you guys to get from this, and this, this rocked my world a couple of years ago, is that the Father has prepared a place for you. The whole theme, the whole theme of the prodigal son story, which we often, I think, get sidetracked, focusing on the younger son, Right? We think it, we think it's about the prodigal son. The whole theme of this story is that the father has a home, and that home is stable and safe, and you should want to be there, right? Because if you don't, if you read this story, everything else in this story is going like this, right? And sometimes your life can feel like that, right? Your life is like one day I'm like praise Jesus, and the next day I'm like I just want to go. Right, and and your life can be up and down, right? But but while it's going, while the younger son is off squandering the father's money, while while the older son is totally misunderstanding what the father has offered him, right? While while these two sons are in the process of figuring things out the father remains at home making a place of safety that they can always return to. (laughs) That is the story of the prodigal son. That before, during, and after, the father has prepared a place. Right Before the younger son ever asked for anything, before these sons were even born, the father had prepared a place for them. During the time that they were insecure, the father had a place prepared for them. After the younger son had had come to his senses and returned, the father had a place prepared for them. Um, And this is so good. Uh, I can think of this uh, in reference to my time at college. Um, As I went to college, college is a time where you figure a lot of things out. Um, But, while I figured things out, I had a place I could return home, re- return home to. And there were times when I would make a whirlwind weekend trip home just to consult my parents at home. And, and I know this isn't the same for everyone. And, I'm <laughs> and because I know that, I'm going to talk about something it's very sensitive, a very sensitive issue. And it's the difference between foster care and adoption. Right, and this is hard. This is a hard reality that we see often. But if we don't talk about it here, where are we going to talk about it? Difference is this, right? For someone who's in foster care, they have places to stay, right? Some good, some bad, until they turn 18, typically. And then after that, if they go to college, they don't have a place to call home, right? And I, I say this knowing that this hits some of you very close to home. Very close to home. Um for those who are adopted, like my little sister, if she leaves, she knows she has a place to come back home to. And, and this is such a, a pertinent thing to talk about because um, a lot of the kids that we love and get to interact with week in and week out here, they don't have a place they can call home. Right? And this is the power of the story of Luke 15 is that in all the insecurity that was experienced through squandering the father's wealth, through taking advantage of him poorly, despite all those things that the father had prepared a home that that son could return to. And the father prepares a place for you wherever you are that you can always return to the Father. Another very challenging issue that I'm going to face, we're just hitting a lot of them today, is the idea of family planning. right? In the world we live in, family, family planning can mean a lot of things. That can be done responsibly. Another way family planning is done is people have sex without commitment and take birth control pills. Right? You're like, oh, you did that. Yeah, we're talking about this here. That's not family planning. Okay? That is not preparing a place for your kids. And this is huge. We don't want to talk about this. But we have to. Every time you have sex, there's a possibility of having children. Even if you're taking birth control. And, and the power of this is that we need to learn... What home means. OK? We learn from the father what home means. Home means a place of safety, safety and stability that you can return to at any time. Right? And I encourage you, if you are a mom, if you are a dad, if you want to be if you want to be in a relationship, what does that mean to have a home? And what we learn here is this, before, during, after, it was a place prepared for the child to return to. Amen. And that's good. In John 14, 1 through 2, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms. Jesus is like, it's it's just getting played out. Jesus is going, my Father has this beautiful place, and and it's prepared. Look forward to that. You as a Christian, that should be your anticipation. In Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And that is home. And that's, that's where God wants to lead you as you make Him your shepherd. That, that He is preparing that place for you, that green pastures, that still and quiet waters, that place to restore your soul. That's what He's preparing for you. But that is at this place called home. And that is with Him. Right? It's not outside of Him. And that's what we're going to get to next. Is that the Father rejoices over you. That's the second thing. This is, this is probably my favorite point out of each of them. Um, I think for many of us, we can remember a time, whether we had a father that was really invested or not, we can remember a time where our father did speak a blessing over us, whether it was him just saying he loved us, he was proud of us, whether it was just the suggestion of an arm around the shoulder or something like that, um, something that you can recall because it is profound, to be shown approval by your dad. Um, I understand that that doesn't happen in all situations. There's a book that I've read, um, edited by a guy named David Siebold, and it's just simply called Fathers and Sons. And, And in this book, there's a quote that says, the son hopes that the father will talk to him. What he really hopes is that the suit of armor that his father is will teeter once or twice, creak over and fall, and then it will lie on the kitchen floor and birds will finally fly out of the visor and fill the house. But a conversation will do. At <laughs> this longing, man, if dad would just talk. And, and when dad talks, especially in, in that way of saying, I love you and I'm so proud of you, um, we remember that. There's also the case where there are some who have lived so long outside the safety of home even if that home is prepared for them and I think this is often our case uh, with, with God the Father is that we live so long outside of the home that we begin actively disbelieving that there is a home for us. Right? We live so long outside of the safety of Father God that, that we disbelieve that there is actually love there available for us and this speaks not only against that, but speaks uh, radically against that. In that, when you return home, this is the cool part, is that there is a celebration at your return. And the parables before this uh, lead to this also. The first parable is this. It's a parable of a sheep that's returned. And it says, in uh, chapter 15, verse 6, it says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And they just have this big party over a sheep that's returned. Right? The next one's of ten coins, and one coin gets lost, and then she 's like, "Sweep, and she finds the coin, and she goes to all her neighbors and she 's like, "I found the coin!" It's like, "Stop! I got it!" Right? And you're like, "Great, great, go back in your house right? um, in In the story of the sun, this is how powerful it is, that it pictures God running, which I like that. Running is wonderful. But he is running, and this is, this is kind of the way it sets it up. And I want you guys to be present. Like, envision this with me. Is that you have this son who has, has worked through the logical situation in his mind. So he goes, okay, I've totally screwed this up. I'm, I'm absolutely unworthy to go home. But he goes. But maybe I could just be a servant. Maybe I could go. And I know I can't just be. I can't be a son again. Um, so I'm. Just, and so he's like figuring this out. He's walking down the path to go home, and all of a sudden he just gets like tackled by his dad. Right. That that is the setting here. Right. He's asking, will I even be accepted? And all of a sudden, his dad has descended upon him, not with anger, but with love and joy, going, my son who is dead is now alive. Right? And he goes, kill the fattened calf, bring out the robe, give him a ring. Like, I'd be like, dad, not the ring, I don't like rings. Right? They're, like they're just so overwhelmed with joy over the return of the son. So, so this is, the first is that the Father's prepared a place for you. The second is that, that He's just excited your back. When you're like, no, you have to forgive me of all these things. Like, I just suck. And the Father's like, we'll figure that out. <laughs> right? When you're like, no, we got to figure this out now. And He's like, no, we're going to figure that out. But you, you need to be in the safety of home. Right? You've been too long outside of home. Right? Stop being outside of home. Right? He just wants to. Before he changes his mind, just wants to put him back home, and so he brings him there. And it isn't like, okay, and I'll go sit in your room, right? It's 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 different. The gospel changes our expectation of God, who just condemns me and wants me to sit in my room until I figure this out. It's a God who's welcoming back in home to live within the freedom of that. Right? Yeah, it's great. So the Father is rejoicing over you. And it says in in John 15, it says, right, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remained in his love. As I told you this, so that my joy may be complete, and that your joy may be complete. (laughs) All right? The gospel is so your joy can be complete. Not so you can feel more condemned. Right? That you can move past that into into a place of celebration. In Luke 12, 32, it says, Don't be afraid, little flock. Your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God is excited to give you all that is His. And the last is this, that the Father invites you to come in. So the, the first point that we looked at was we, the Father prepared a place for you, the Father celebrates over you, and the third is that the Father is inviting you, actively inviting you in, and constantly inviting you in. But there's a por- an important thing in this invitation, is that there is a difference between being outside and inside. Okay? And that, that difference is important because uh, I think especially in our culture, um, we like m- we like making Uh, (laughs) make-believing that there is no difference between being in the home of the Father and being outside the home of the Father. We think that we can be outside the home of the Father and still experience His joy over us and experience the celebration um, He has awaiting us, and that that is not the case. In Matthew 25, it talks about the the end of days when when it says that that everyone's gathered and He's separating the sheep from the goats, and and when he separates the sheep from the goats, those who have, have longed, those who have found their home in God, it, um, he welcomes them in and says, come, come into the home, right? Prepared for you since the foundation of the world, right? God's been preparing a long time for this. But there is a big difference between being inside. And, and the, only in this distinction will we realize that there is a reason for rejoicing when you come home. Right. So if you're outside and there's no difference between outside and inside, once you make your way inside, it's like sweet, change up codes. No, like it's it's way better than that, right? It's that outside there was insecurity, and that inside there is security. Outside there is fear of disapproval. Inside there is knowledge of approval. Right. Outside, there is darkness of knowledge because we are just going off our best ideas and experimentation. And inside, there's knowledge of being led by His good and righteous commands. Right? Living within that. And so when somebody moves from outside going, I'm just going to follow whatever I want to inside and going, I'm under the Father's roof. I'm going I'm to obey Him. And that's why there's a celebration. Right? And we rejoice over that. In the Bible, there's this reality. that There's, there's this... Uh, the celebration over someone coming in, where does it say this? Uh, in 15.7 it says, I tell you that in the same way, there will, be much, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. Because the 99 in there are just partying already. right? <laughs> and so then the one comes in, they're like, Woo! Yeah, one more, come on in. Right? And, and for this, what's important for us is, do we know what we should celebrate? Are we celebrating the right thing? In 1 John 3, 1, where it says, How great a love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. How great a love the Father has lavished upon us that we can be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has yet to be known fully, but we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Right? It's this, gosh, this hope, how great a love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God. So the call is this the call is to come home. Wherever you are, come home. Right? Go away with this theme. Come home. A question that I challenged myself with as, we, as I studied this was um, why do we still not accept the invitation? If we are outside, why, why are some reasons that, that we wouldn't come in? And I think there's, there's two presented in Luke 15. Um, and they both have to do with being motivated by the wrong thing. Um, the younger son was motivated by the promise of the, the pleasure or success or other things that might live outside the father's home, right? So he was, he was motivated purely by the promises of not living in God. The, the older son was a different motivation because the older son lived on the periphery. The older son thought that he... Was a, He had associated himself with the father's home, but he had never really come in, right? And the interesting thing is that at the very end, the, the older son never comes in, right? It's this interesting part of the story where the younger son, who were like, oh man, they're just crazy. They're the wild child, Right? They'll never come in. But it's the younger son who actually makes his way in, where the one who's always been associated with God is the one who always is standing on the outside in this one. They aren't motivated. The older son isn't motivated by what we should be motivated by, which is this. We need to be motivated by the love the father has for us. Right? That's what totally motivated the younger son. That's what the father was offering the older son, listen to this. He says, my son, you always were with me, and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again. <laughs> He's like, why can't you get it? We have to celebrate. He's back. right? The whole goal is just being home, just being with me. Right? That's the, that's what the Bible's saying over and over and over again. It's like come home, be home, be with me. Don't stay on the outside any longer. In Revelation 22, and literally this is like one of the last verses of the Bible. It says, "The Spirit and the Bride say, 'Come,' and let him who hears say, 'Come.' Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life." Right come. The, the end of the Bible, literally it says like, multiple times in the last chapter, just come. Come. And, and that is the theme of the prodigal son story. Be home. Okay? What does this mean for us as a church? Three things really simply. The first is, in preparation, God has prepared a place. Live in the stability of God's presence. Right, find yourself There. Live in the stability of God's presence. And I, and I know, man, I know if I talked with any of you and you guys just explain what's coming up, whether that's this week or this summer, like you guys have things that will threaten your stability. Right? That will, will tempt you or accuse you And the message is the same for all of you. Live in the stability of God's presence where, where he is constantly saying, this is my son, I'm proud of you, I love you. Right? And you only know that if you abide in his home. If you live outside it, you won't know his stability. The second is this. In celebration, enjoy the life that God has for you. Enjoy life at home with God. Enjoy it. Because his life for you is freedom. Freedom in him, right? Learn to celebrate those good things. And the last is this. Invite others to come share home, right? You had that, the older brother had that opportunity. The older brother had the opportunity to be like, dude, I'm so glad you're here, right? Bocce ball was not as fun without you, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> dad and I have just been playing badminton, and right? And then, all, he had the opportunity just to be like, I'm so happy, that you are here. But if you are not enjoying home with the Father, when someone else comes in, you're not, you're not going to celebrate. You're not going to enjoy that. So, so, what does this mean for us? S- so simply, so simply is this. Guys, come home. Come home. Because I know a lot of you, a lot of us, live outside the Father's home. Live outside of stability in Him. And, and, and live with these question marks over our head, like, what should I do? What's my identity? Where am I going? Um, and, and only in this safety that the Father is welcoming you into can those questions be answered. Because all along, the Father is not standing there to accuse you, but to welcome you and celebrate over you. God's excited upon your return. Man, do you believe that? Yeah. Amen! Okay, let's pray and then worship. God, says (laughs) that your words for us are life and we disbelieve that often because I think we stand outside and are like, you would never take us back. But you do. You're excited for our return. For those who are just living in the safety of home, I, I pray that we'll just be better at inviting others to enjoy the peace that's there. God, I thank you again just for the dads who are building up stability for their families. Um, God, I pray uh, over the young men here who someday will be dads. Someday will be called upon to look in the eyes of a child and say, I love you and I'm proud of you. God, you'll be preparing their hearts to be courageous and strong and when the world tempts them to just be silent and cold, to be the tougher man that they'll keep tender hearts because they also are in the safety of your home. God, may they look to you as an example. May they learn from you. thank you for home. Amen.